0: Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Special Regional Rankings Special. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you're watching us live, either on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, thank you for joining us. Which, once again, if you're watching us Facebook, terrific. Or listen to the podcast, wonderful. Though I just realized we haven't started the uh, YouTube version. We'll get that going for those momentarily, though it doesn't affect you if you're watching us right now. Again, if you've got questions for us on this special, uh, you can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Um, again, obviously you're on Facebook. You can chat there. We'll certainly do our best to keep up with what's going on uh, there. Um, regional rankings. For those of you on YouTube who have just started watching this either on demand or live, welcome in to our special coverage of the regional rankings in Division Three. Week two has started, and we are, or has been released at least on the women's side. We've seen the women's rankings released. We are still waiting for the men's rankings to be released, though. Um, we do know they're virtually almost there, uh, due to some other, for other reasons. I know that they're almost there, so we're just patiently waiting for that to pop up. If you got questions, again, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, If you're on Facebook Live, we will certainly try and keep track of the chat room there to see what you may be asking, and so on and so forth. So that's how it all works, as it were. Um, So we'll look at the women first today, and then we will look at the men whenever they get dropped in. Uh, Last week, men went first. Most weeks in the history of this, the men have been posted first, but this week it is the women. And thus, we are underway with that first. First and foremost, uh, we do have last week's rankings. I should actually pull them up and, and notice any changes. For example, Montclair State falls into two and FDU Florham moves up to one. We should point out that we won't go into it today. We'll go into it tomorrow. FDU Florham's head coach, Mark Mitchell, is back on the sideline as of last night. Uh, served a six-game suspension for an investigation into misconduct. Um don't know what that means in the grand scheme of things. To many, not surprised that he was suspended through the Delaware Valley game. You may remember that was basically the icing on the cake for some and got him in in the hot water that he's in now, despite previous... I mean, this the, the actions go further back than just that one particular game. However, the, they thought for the good chance there was no way they were going to keep have him in that game um, for the return matchup, as it were. So... Um, so on and so forth. What I'm basically getting at is uh, he's back, and so they move into number one in the regional rankings. Not overly surprised. I'm pretty sure this is going to come down to some numbers stuff uh, in general, and so we'll look at that in just a minute. Um, DeSales is now three, Misericordia four, Kane is five, Stockton six, Rowan and then Old Westbury. Uh, for the Mack Freedom, they lost a little bit of, of ground here, though they still have two teams ranked. For the NJAC, they now have four teams ranked. In Montclair, um, Kane, Stockton, and Rowan. However, I think if you're in the Kane spot, you're already in trouble. You're at 16-8, and eight, pick up a ninth loss, and I think you're in trouble of getting in. So I think the top four are in good shape. I certainly don't want to say that they are safe, but they are in good shape. The five down in the Atlantic region on the women's side, I think we've got some problems. Um, and we'll look at those numbers on the women's side. And we look at FDU Florham, whose SOS is a 581. You compare, compare that to Montclair State's 547. Montclair State's 3-1 and one versus regionally ranked opponents. FDU Florham is a shocking 9-2. and two. A lot of the criteria gives us to FDU Florham. I am not surprised to see them number one at this time, despite one more loss and two less wins. I don't think the the criteria um, uh, overwhelmingly gives us to Montclair. Montclair State is sitting with a nine seventeen uh, win loss and FDU Florham's an eight seventy. It's not a huge difference there. The SOS is a huge difference, um, even if you. Play the other the, the 0.03 to two game ratio. I think this still favors Florham. And again, nine and two versus regionally ranked opponents. It means they played eleven regionally ranked opponents and won nine of them. Yes, they have the advantage here that Desales has been regionally ranked and Misericordia is regionally ranked. However, so does Montclair, and Montclair is three and one. Now that will change next week, and that's how this thing will evolve. Um, but no, overall, not overly shocked at all on how these rankings have, have worked out on the Atlantic side. Um, again, if you've got questions, we'll certainly try and monitor those questions and keep up with what might be said from you. Women's rankings, again, have come out. The men's have not, and we're eagerly awaiting those. I know the men's are any moment at this point in time. Uh, we've seen enough hints, as it were, that they should be out or, or, or they will be out momentarily, just haven't seen them. Let's go down to the central region in the, um, in the uh, women's rankings. Wash U again, number one. No surprise there. If you look at Wash's SOS, uh, it's, it's 629. It's come down. No surprise. It was going to come down as they played more region, uh, uh, conference games. So no surprise it's come down. It's going to come down a little bit more next week. because um, Who do they play next week? NYU and Brandeis, I think. Um, and so that will affect their SOS. Oshkosh. Uh, number two, um, oh, by the way, WashU is seven and two versus regionally ranked opponents. Oshkosh, twenty-one and two, two and two versus regionally ranked, with a five thirty-three SOS, um, pretty much even in terms of win loss. And then all the other criteria goes Wash U's favor. Illinois Wesleyan vaults to number three. I don't remember where they were previously. but I don't think they were that high. At sixteen and six, they have a six oh seven um, SOS with a three and four results versus regionally ranked opponents. Compare that to Chicago. Chicago is 16-6 and six as well, 6-4 versus region-ranked opponents and a 638. 38 This may come down simply to some other common opponents. Uh, we will quickly call up the central region on the women's side and take a look at Illinois Wesleyan. I don't have everybody's results memorized, uh, so if you're, you're wondering why I have to look some of this stuff up. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan has a win over Chicago, 79-52, so that's going to play a factor in here as well um, along the way. So um, Illinois Wesleyan gets the ad on Chicago. There, uh, let's see Illinois Wesleyan again um, a 607 SOS. You compare that with Chicago 638. It's within that 0.03 to make that close. Chicago six and four against regionally ranked opponents. Wesleyan is three and four. So they both played about the same amount. Granted, Chicago has a better result, but Chicago has a loss to Illinois Wesleyan. So I think when they were splitting hairs a little bit there. Um, I am pretty confident they went Illinois Wesleyan for that reason. You go over to Wheaton women. Uh, Wheaton women's SOS is a 588, lower than the rest, four and three. Um, apparently, they thought the the lower SOS, even compared, uh, again, Wheaton's a 588, even when you compare it against uh, the rest, that it wasn't worth leapfrogging them. Uh, in Chicago's case, the number is dinormically different. I made up a word. Uh, a, a big difference, and I think that's one of those reasons why it why it worked out that way. Uh, Wheaton, when you compare them to Illinois Wesleyan, they have played once, and Illinois Wesleyan won. So this is another reason I could see Wheaton back there in the pile, as it were. Uh, Whitewater, on the other hand, uh, nineteen and four with a five twenty SOS. The SOS getting really low when you compare it to the rest of the region. Only played two teams that are regionally ranked. I don't think they did any, themselves any favors necessarily. Uh, and I think they're going down. Now, interestingly enough, Illinois Wesley and that kind of the barometer we're using here lost to Whitewater, but that's, again, only two games. Whitewater's SOS is a full point behind – or almost a full point behind Chicago's. I suspect that's why Whitewater is sitting six. Concordia, Wisconsin, uh, we know where this one's going to head. It's going to be an SOS scenario. Concordia, Wisconsin has played no games against regionally ranked opponents with a 483 SOS. Concordia, Wisconsin, doing themselves no favors. They also have two games. Granted, they were losses, but two games that aren't even counting in the in-region conversation or in division. Augustana, sixteen and seven. We can start with the win-loss percentage right there is why Augustana is down in that position, five thirty-two with four and three against region, uh, regionally ranked opponents. Can understand why Augustana is down there, and then Cornell sitting nine. If I'm looking at this right now, I think maybe five, even six teams are probably safe. Concordia, Wisconsin on the bubble because of that SOS and no games against regionally ranked opponents. That probably isn't going to change because they are playing uh, conference games the rest of the way. And if somehow the NACC can get ranked, then maybe we have a conversation here. But I really don't think that's possible. Um, By the way, men's rankings are now out, I believe. I'm double checking. Nope, they are not. I I take that back. Uh, We're at least uh, on my book. We're still waiting for them. So we'll see what happens. Um, Back to the women, as we mentioned. Um, We'll go to the East region. No surprise, Geneseo still on top at 23-0. That's basically because they're 23-0. Nothing against uh, SUNY Geneseo, but their SOS is a 499, and they've only played one regionally ranked opponent. But 23-0 is going to get you the nod. Ithaca is sitting 2 Ithaca's got a 20 and 3 record with a 3 and 2 versus regionally ranked opponents and a 5-16, so they don't have a a huge SOS difference versus Geneseo, and that certainly will not make up for the three game difference there in the win loss column. Rochester's really high at 15 and 7, and this is going to come down to SOS. They have a 605 SOS, which is a full point better than Geneseo and nearly a full point better than Ithaca if you compare them to SUNY Poly. SUNY Poly's a 476, so a full point plus. Better than SUNY Poly. And if you compare them to NYU, NYU, who's ranked pretty high, 608. So now you're seeing a little bit of UAA influence. Uh, that's putting Rochester third. I think that's important because Rochester could be one of two things here if we were to select teams right now. Rochester is either going to be a block to everybody else, meaning SUNY Poly, NYU, Steven Skidmore, and William Smith are looking on the outside in because Rochester's resume is going to block them. At 15 and seven with a 682 win loss percentage. It's a little dangerous to what we've been using as a Mendoza line of 667, but their SOS is pretty staggering and they're three and seven versus regionally ranked opponents. So they played 10 regionally ranked opponents, but what does that mean? Do, does the committee reward them for that? Right now it looks like they are, especially with that SOS number. That's also thanks to the UAA and that SOS number will come down. If I'm correct, they have Carnegie Mellon, uh, Case Western Reserve, and Emory ahead of them. So it's going to be interesting to see. The SOS will come down naturally because of, of conference play. Not tremendous because Rochester has a couple good teams ahead of them still. But Rochester sitting third e- either means they get in and they allow another team or two to maybe get to the table or they're going to block and everybody else behind them is in trouble. And that includes NYU. Though, to be honest with you, at 13-9, and nine, NYU's not getting in. Um, I just don't see it possible. It, we're really talking about whether SUNY Polly has a chance to get in. I wouldn't say SUNY Polly has a, lar- a strong chance of getting in, not with their SOS the way it is, but we've seen teams with two losses get in on the women's side before. McDaniel from two years ago it is an example of that. So whether Rochester blocks SUNY and allows them to get a chance will be determined. If they were to select it now, that's certainly where this thing is going to get more interesting. Um so a lot on the table there in the East. Let's switch over to the Great Lakes as we still wait for the men's regional rankings to come out. We have not seen the men's regional rankings. I'll see if there's any questions as well. I know that, that the men's is is on the verge of coming out from other ways we've been able to monitor it, but we just haven't seen it as of yet. And again, check in to see if you have any questions. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also chime in on our facebook live page you can also chime in on youtube we're trying to monitor that page though it is a little bit more difficult to be honest um don't see any questions on there we'll check our email this is how we do it we rotate through um not as of yet so we'll keep an eye out we'll also keep an eye out on twitter where nothing has come up as of yet um let's see here uh, Great Lakes. Thomas Moore now number one. They move ahead of Ohio Northern. I think that is significant. Um, last week they were sitting behind him, but now you get into some other criteria in the Great Lakes. Let's take a look. Ohio Northern undefeated. Only played two regionally ranked opponents with a five, and won them both with a 535 strength of schedule. Thomas Moore in the meantime is also perfect with a 2-0 and a 514 SOS. This is interesting. On that criteria alone, I would favor Ohio Northern. More um, wins by one. Uh, they're both equal in the results versus uh, um, the uh, results versus region ranked opponents, and Ohio Northern has the 535 SOS. However, and I'm going to chime in. Pat is messaging things to our group, and I'm going to I'm going to piggyback in there and grab it from him. Thomas Moore played the number 5 ranked team in the south and the number 3 ranked team in the central. Ohio Northern played the number 9 ranked team in, in the Great Lakes twice. Now that's as of last rankings because the committee remember when they ranked would not have known this week's rankings. I'm talking about last week's rankings. Thomas More beat 5 and, uh, a south 5 and a central 3 and ONU has beaten a Great Lakes 9 twice. That's probably where the difference is here. Um, we could look at common opponents but they're both going to be wins. We obviously don't have a head-to-head, as they're both undefeated anyway. We don't have a loss to differentiate things here. Yes, Thomas Moore has a disadvantage to Ohio Northern in the SOS category, but common opponents, uh, or I should say results versus regionally ranked opponents, certainly I think would give this to Thomas Moore. They have played stronger regionally ranked opponents in the sense of a South 5 and a Central 3 versus ONU, who's played two Great Lakes 9s. So I think that is the difference there, I suspect, um, on why Thomas Moore moved ahead of Ohio Northern in a very difficult Great Lakes. Hope is number three. Hope number three with a 19-2 record, 4-1 and one in, in region in a five twenty one SOS. Not a lot of strong SOS numbers so far in the Great Lakes. DePaul, who took a loss, stays where they were at around four. I don't think they moved down one. 2-1 versus regionally ranked opponents. That um, regionally ranked opponent last week was Kenyon. Kenyon has fallen out of the regional rankings, so that loss will now come off of DePaul's resume for next week. Keep that in mind. Uh, DePaul 22-2, five thirty SOS. Can understand why they're sitting 4 now. Rose Holman moves into 5. Rose Holman. 19 and 3 overall, 2 and 2 versus region ranked opponents with a 531. Arguably very similar to DePaw, though one more loss in multiple categories. You can see Rose Holman at four, five. Trine is six. That's good for the MIAA. Um, though not for Calvin. Trine is 20 and 2 overall, tw- 2 and 2 in region, 488 SOS. That's not good. If you're looking for a line in the Great Lakes on the women's side where things are going to get troublesome, it's five to six. I think Rose Holman's right on the line. I think they get in. They could get in if we chose teams now. Again, not assuming automatic qualifiers. Putting Trine at the table, can they get in? And then Carnegie Mellon and the UAA's SOS numbers. We talk about the NSCAX SOS numbers, especially on the men's side. UAA's um, SOS numbers are also pretty gaudy. Um, Trine is sitting six. Carnegie Mellon seven. You look at Carnegie Mellon's numbers: six ten. SOS. Have we talked about a UAA out I, that has been below 600? Maybe NYU. That's it. Um, Carnegie Mellon 16 and six, six ten, two and five versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, I don't think that makes up the ground versus Trine. Is my gut feeling. It's interesting though because the difference in the SOS is whew, point uh, one a point one four. I want to say a huge number, but they're not putting Carnegie Mellon ahead of Trine. This is where the women tend to favor the win-loss a little bit more than the men do, or at least we have seen in the past. And I think that's why Trine's up here. Carnegie Mellon playing seven regionally-ranked opponents and losing five of them also could be a factor here. Trine has played four and is at 500 there. The SOS difference is about 014 Arguably, you could make an argument for Carnegie Mellon being ahead of Trine there, but I think the win-loss is giving Trine the advantage. Calvin's in trouble here, despite, uh, well, with an 18-4 record. They play two games this week, and then obviously the conference tournament. They are 18-4, 1-4 versus region ranked opponents with a four seventy eight SOS. Calvin's going to need to win to get in. And for the MIA to get three teams in, uh, Trine may need, well, Trine and Rose Holman are on that bubble. Um... I'm not sure what Trine may need to do to bolster their record. Maybe a win over Hope on Saturday would be good. Um, that game's going to be at Hope. That certainly would help them, in, in my argument. Um, and then Baldwin-Wallace wraps it up. But down at that point, it's pretty um, pretty tough. Uh, looking around, if you've got questions, email us. Hoops at, um, and, uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville, or ask us a question on uh, our Facebook page, though we haven't seen any yet. And we are, but we're keeping an eye out. We're keeping an eye out um, in case you do have any questions. Uh, pretty good numbers today. We appreciate you tuning in. I hope you're enjoying this one as we go along. We are still waiting for the men's regional rankings. I'm double checking now to see if they have uh, come out. They have not, which is really getting frustrating. Um, we There's other indications that the rankings should be there. I'm just not sure why they haven't appeared. So let's continue with the women. Scranton leapfrogs into number one. I think they were fifth last week. Mary Washington now number two. Catholic three. Messiah four. Christopher Newport five. Albright six. Marymount seven. Moravian eight. This may be the deepest region in terms of of good teams, even better than the Great Lakes at this point, because even the Great Lakes started to fade off around five or six Carnegie Mellon, don't get me wrong, is good at seven in the Great Lakes, but I think the chances of they're at large are gone. Well, you know that's not entirely fair. You do wonder if Rose Holman or Trine might block them though, if we were to select right now. Mary. Uh, so anyway, Scranton, and we'll look at Scranton's numbers. Scranton is sitting number one with a 20 and three, five and three versus regionally ranked opponents, with a 573 SOS. You compare that to Mary Washington, 21 and two, three and one versus the region or regionally ranked opponents in a 532 SOS. So Scranton's got a nod on the SOS by 0.04, which is significant. Um, and they've got two more wins uh, in against regionally ranked opponents, though two more losses. Um, this is going to come down to how they do against some other factors. So hold on a second here. Uh, sorry, slow website here. Just waiting for rankings to come out here. Uh, Scranton women, you wait patiently. Of course, Scranton's three losses are to Catholic, who's regionally ranked, Elizabethtown, and Moravian, who is regionally ranked. Um, I'm trying to see if we've got... Let's see. They didn't play Mary Washington. So if you look at this, Mary Washington's got an SOS that is significantly lower than Scranton's by .04, .041 to be exact. Scranton has... A lower strength of schedule and, and not, but has played more regionally ranked games, eight versus three. Um, and I suspect that's where this is playing in. I think the regionally ranked opponents there is where this is playing in, is just my gut feeling. Um, if you've got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. I think I got a question. That's why I'm checking in now. Um, record versus regionally ranked opponents is a primary criteria. Primary. I just got a question from them um and moravian versus catholic on saturday and women that's gonna be huge because catholic is sitting three moravian is at the bottom um results versus region ranked opponents is a primary criteria primary criteria win loss your primary criteria is strength of schedule results versus region ranked opponents um your in region record or your in division record um as long as you played over 70 percent, that is a primary criteria and i'm i'm forgetting the fifth um I'm not 100% positive where the 5th is, only off the top of my head. I've got it here somewhere. Um, I just have to call it up. Uh, so I think that the women are showing the results versus reaching ranked, as of right now, is playing a, 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 an important factor. Um, maybe getting an inside look on what the men's rankings are, folks. Uh, they are still, for some reason, not posted on the men's site. No, they just got posted on the men's site. Just got posted on the men's site. I assume those who know me um, have heard me, um, those on our D3 site. The men just went up, so we'll talk about them shortly. Uh, i got to cheat and do something real quick. So we'll talk about men here just a little bit. Our plan was to go off the air no matter the 15 minutes. We'll see how things go. Um, I have some things I needed to do, and we're we're running late. So back to the mid-Atlantic women. Scranton on top of Mary Washington. Kind of see why. We'll go over to Catholic's numbers just to give you a sense of where Catholic sits in all this. Catholic 20-3, 3-2 versus region-ranked opponents with a 570 SOS. Um, they do have a win over Catholic or Scranton. They also have a loss to Scranton. I suspect uh, they're sitting behind um, Mary Washington for similar reasons as to why they're sitting behind, um, or Mary Washington's behind Scranton, but I am looking to make sure we don't have a common game between these two. I do not see it. Uh, so interesting uh, to see that, to say the least. Uh, I think the the, the minute length just jam packed. Here's is the problem. Uh, Messiah women, for example, an SOS a twenty-two and one with a two and one results versus regionally ranked, so that's a low number, and their SOS is five sixteen so far. To everybody we're talking about low, not surprised to see them four. Christopher Newport at five is a little startling. Bad loss, granted. So did Mary Washington in the past week. They're twenty two, one and one versus regionally ranked opponents, so they have not played. A lot of regionally ranked opponents. Just two of them. They're at 500 with a 521 SOS. Can understand a little bit why Christopher Newport is sitting at five. Albright is six. Their SOS is a 552. They played five teams. They're 20 and four overall. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see some common opponents in this one. They're going to they're going to kind of break out. I'm quickly looking here. Uh no, actually had, they have a win over Moravian, but they're ranked behind them. They have a, a loss to DeSales, who is regionally ranked. They have a loss to Amherst, who's obviously regionally ranked, that we haven't gotten there yet. So interesting uh, development there just to be sure. Um Albright at 20 and 4. I think their overall records coming into play here with four losses. They're they're not better than anybody else. Marymount Moravian, listen. Seven and eight, that's great. No one's going to get – I think Albright's on our bubble here. Maybe Christopher Newport. Northeast, Amherst on top of Tufts. Yeah, no surprise there. Bowden and Babson, Eastern Connecticut. Connecticut College came right out of the regional rankings. They were sitting seventh and falling off. Tells you just how important other criteria is, to be sure. Don't forget, we're on the air here. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 hoopsil or hashtag Hoopsil. Um – you can also ask us questions on Facebook Live. And I am calling up our other, uh, just, we've got multiple channels going on. So I'm trying to keep track of everything going on for everybody out there. Um, again, emails, questions, whatever. Don't forget, we'll be on the air Thursday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. By the way, quick note as I just kind of stall for time here. Um, Jostin's nominations for men and women are due tomorrow. You can go to ODAC online for information for the Jostins Trophy. Nominations for all USIDs out there and I know there are SIDs out there listening to the show. Jostin's nominations due tomorrow for Division three. keep that in mind. All right, so quickly, uh, women, Amherst Tufts, Bowden Babson. Obviously top three in the NESCAC there. Amherst with an SOS of 609. 7-0 versus regionally ranked opponents, uh, including one over Tufts. (laughs) That's going to be significant. Tufts, 598 SOS. 5-1 versus regionally ranked opponents. Babson has a... 589 SOS, 4-3 versus regionally-ranked opponents. That's a factor here. Eastern Connecticut's where we're going to start seeing a drop-off. 576 SOS, a little bit lower, 2-3 and three versus regionally-ranked opponents, but that's clearly why they're up there. Mass uh, Dartmouth, for example. Hmm. Where are they on my list here? I never seem to be able to find Mass Dartmouth that easy. Oh, yeah, it's you, Mass Dartmouth. 19 and 4, 2 and 2 with a 552. So you're starting to see the SOS tail off. You're starting to see the results versus the regionally ranked opponents tail off. Husson is sitting next in the seven hole. Hassan is 18 and 4, 1 and 2 versus regionally ranked opponents with a 527. Are you noticing the trend here? Regionally, regionally ranked opponents is tailing off. SOS is tailing off. Uh, Keene State is the next one. And Keene State has a 2-3 versus regionally-ranked opponents of the 538. So just a comparison, for example, to Husson. Husson has a better win-loss. Um, yes, Keene State has a better results versus regionally-ranked opponents, and they have a better SOS. So you're starting to split hairs a little bit. Middlebury sitting 9. Middlebury is 2-3 with a 580 SOS. So things now the win-loss becomes a factor with Middlebury at 16-7. and seven is becoming a factor. And then it gets really complicated in the Northeast. South, not surprised to see Trinity, Texas, number one. Uh, I'm a little surprised to see the, the ODAC as high as it is. I haven't seen great SOS numbers out of them. Guilford's got a 502. Uh, Lynchburg has a 559. That's the best one we've seen, though 18 and 5. Maryville is, is in trouble. They've, they've moved down thanks to a loss because they're only 0-1 now versus regionally-ranked opponents. That regionally-ranked opponent was Piedmont. Maryville now 21-4 and 4 with a 487 SOS. So Maryville now starting to get into a little bit of trouble here. If they do not win the automatic qualifier, they may not get into the tournament. Texas Lutheran has fallen off from where they were. Texas Lutheran, 19-5, 3-1 versus regionally-ranked opponents, but a sub-500 SOS. So a couple things I'm seeing now in the women is the SOS is starting to play the same game the men's is. If you're below 500, you you're not getting the benefit of the doubt necessarily. McDaniel a couple years ago did. You may find some decent ones that are ranked okay, but they've got other criteria in their favor. West region saying Thomas moves into number one. This is an interesting development. Um, Or maybe they were number one. Puget Sound was always number two. I I might be wrong. I don't have it all memorized. But St. Thomas with an SOS of a 564, five wins against regionally-ranked opponents and no losses. You compare that to Puget Sound, who's 4-1 and with a 580. You're probably splitting hairs a little bit here. Uh, Puget Sound's got a better better SOS. They don't have a better win-loss. They do not have a better results versus regionally-ranked opponents. Starting to split things a little bit there, that number one and number two. Granted, it's the West region. It's not going to affect hosting. I suspect St. Thomas women will host. St. Thomas women can host. They have the priority in the first weekend. The men are not in position to host. Puget Sound will host. Gustavus Adolphus is an interesting scenario. They may have to hit the road early on. Uh, Gustavus is 21-1, and 3-1 and versus region-ranked opponents with a 5-20 um Whitman now here's where it gets really interesting for the Northwest we talked about two maybe three teams getting the in from the Northwest in these rankings things have fallen off Whitman played three games against non-division three opponents that's not being counted they're 17 and three in division it also hurts their SOS Whitman now is 5-11 SOS one and two versus reaching ranked opponents they improved their non-conference schedule and played less non-division three teams, but they still have three here, and I think it's hurting them. They're fifth. I think they're okay, but then Bethel and George Fox are behind them, and Bethel and George Fox need to be nervous. Bethel's 19-4, and 1-3 versus regionally ranked opponents with a 533. George Fox, on the other hand, is 16-4. and four. All four losses are regionally ranked losses with no wins with a 550 SOS telling us the women are looking at that results versus regionally ranked opponents just a little bit stronger than they have uh overall by the way i misspoke sorry jj misspoke i i, I feel like i'm on thursday's show we normally do a show thursday night seven o'clock i said that jostin's trophy uh finalists were due tomorrow nominations friday i was thinking thursday in my head that we were on air thursday we are on air wednesday friday is the nominations we'll remind you again bear with me a second grabbing the men's regional rankings And uh, we will get those ready for you. If uh, you got any questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, don't see any as of yet and we will keep moving along. So I think we covered everything on the women. I'm sure there's questions. I've kind of breezed through things. Let's take a look at the men and be honest with you, I'm just starting to take a look at the men. In the Atlantic Ramapo number one, they move ahead of Newman newman is number two newman remember also lost which is a factor here Neither's sos is gonna sh- gonna go woo to you uh ramipose is 483 newman's is 507 newman's actually better than ramipose that says a lot now granted a keystone in the CSAC played amherst so that's a little bit of how newman's sos could be just a little bit higher Uh, Thank you, JJ. Primary criteria, since I don't have it off, win-loss versus D3. Yep, D3 head-to-head. That was the fifth I was missing. Results versus common D3. Results versus ranked D3 teams established at time of selection. And nullification, we won't go into nullification. Uh, SOS is in there as well. So... um, there, there you go. Thank you, JJ. So Ramapo ahead of, of Newman, and then it's Cabrini, then New Jersey City. Now, New Jersey City betters themselves into fourth in the regional rankings, but their SOS is a 499. I will say this. For New Jersey City, that is a, a marked improvement for their SOS. They're in better shape. However, they have six losses, and this is where it starts getting a little bit tenuous. TCNJ, they now move ahead of. TCNJ's got a 5-19 SOS. TCNJ's 3-4 versus regionally ranked opponents. And New Jersey City's 4-3. and three. They have a split. You then go look at Ramapo. I think they split with Ramapo, both teams. So, or did Ramapo sweep? If I think Ramapo may have swept TCNJ, and that will give New Jersey City the advantage there at 4-5. But in the Atlantic, the bubble, I think, oh, this one's tough. You could argue that Newman's okay with an above SOS, so sitting at number two is fine, though I think Ramapo is blocking them, though, at the same time with a below 500 SOS. The committee is setting up two scenarios here. The men's committee is setting up on the Atlantic side, either going with a team below 500 in the SOS for the first time that we can remember. Or Ramapo blocks everybody and that harkens back to a few years ago when Staten Island, we felt, did the same thing to William Patterson. So if Ramapo's a blocker, because they don't have an above 500 SOS, um, everybody's in trouble. Newman, who who has a bl- above 500 SOS, Cabrini, who has, um, what is Cabrini's number? Cabrini, whose number is just above 500, and New Jersey City, who's close, who's just smidge below 500, and New Jersey City, who's above 500. If the committee sticks to we're not allowing a team in with a below 500 SOS, Ramapo's a blocker right now. If they are loosening that up, potentially, and Ramapo, other criteria real quick, they are 4-2 versus region ranked opponents. So that that may be helping them. If they're going to loosen that up, or if the committee feels that Ramapo's SOS is going to move above 500, which it very well may, as we've seen with New Jersey City already, they have a 483, it's come up then we're okay. It's not a blocker. This is an interesting scenario in the Atlantic region, because I think once you get Ramapo in, I think you have an argument for Newman right now. You may have an argument for Gabrini. You now may have an argument for New Jersey city. TCNJ is in trouble at 17 and seven, 17 and seven, uh, right now is at seven Oh eight win loss. It certainly isn't bad, but we got to assume another loss. DeSales, Rowan and Staten Island close this out. And I think they're not, any of them are getting in, um, so, just an FYI on that. Um, uh, Cabrini at Newman tonight. <laughs> that will have a big difference here. You must watch that game tonight. Newman versus Cabrini is a huge game for rankings and everything else. If Cabrini were to win that game, Newman picks up a third loss. Newman will drop. Cabrini will either move or not it gets interesting. Cabrini loses that. They probably fall back a little bit further with their fifth loss. It gets really interesting at that point in time. But again, I will repeat, if we're going on SOS below 500 is a non-qualifier to the men's committee, and they aren't a team's not going to get in with that, Ramapo's blocking the entire Atlantic region if they are an at-large team. If the committee is starting to do one of two things, they're starting to loosen up that and say, listen, their SOS is close to 500 and their other criteria is good enough. They're no longer a blocker and you could get a few extra teams in from the Atlantic. It gets interesting. The other thing is the SOS is improving. There's a chance Ramapose finally ticks over 500. I think a decent chance by the time we're at the end of all of this in a couple of weeks. And in that case, really 10 days, in that case... It still opens up the door. The question then becomes, does Newman? I mean, Newman, Cabrini, and New Jersey City all have above 500 SOSs. So who knows what's going to happen when they're, when they're put up against everybody else. Atlantic region is very interesting to watch this year. I think I'd be fascinated to see how they treat Ramapo the rest of the way. Newman's loss to Rosemont moved them out of number one um, in part. Uh, Central region, River Falls, number one, no surprise there. Wash U, number two, no surprise there. Whitewater and Eau Claire now solidify the YX chances of being a, a, a multiple uh, bid league. August, Stan and Illinois Wesleyan at least now make the CCIW's at-large chances a little bit stronger, but they're in that sub-area of the rankings that I get nervous. Benedictine actually doesn't have a bad resume. If they need it at large, though, I'm not sure they get in. They have no games against regionally-ranked opponents as of right now, subject to change, and a 490 SOS. And Carthage is sitting there at 14-7. and seven. They're not going to get in. Um, they're at the Mendoza line of 667. So so for those of you who are like, oh, you know, there might be teams that come from off the rankings to be considered. You're right. It has happened on the women's side, especially but on the men's side right now, there's no way I could see the regional committee selecting anybody below Benedictine, and I really am starting. I would have trouble right about Illinois Wesleyan in. Illinois Wesleyan's criterius um, three and four versus region ranked opponents. Actually, that's not as bad as I thought with a 555 SOS. So Illinois Wesleyan's going to have an argument. Augustana 18 and five one and two versus region ranked opponents with a 521 SOS. Less of an argument. The problem is Augustana, I think, has beaten Illinois Wesleyan at least once, if not twice. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. Again, I'm going off the top of my head. Um, so I think the the central region could get down to six for at large if you need it. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan, I think, starts to get questionable, though. I like their numbers. Benedictine is not is is dangerous. So I think that's where that's why I say the line is somewhere around six or seven on getting in. Um. We continue to, to go through these rankings um, a little bit further. Uh, let's go into the East region on the men's side. Rochester, number one at 20 and two. I, I love to tell you I'm surprised. I am not surprised um, that they're uh, number one. St. Lawrence, number two. I don't think that's a surprise there. Let's look at numbers quickly. Rochester, 20 and two overall, three and one versus region ranked opponents. A WashU win and a WashU loss. Both the number twos there. Um, 533 SOS. You look at St. Which one is it? St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence, 19-4, 1-3. So the opposite in the regionally ranked opponents with a 520. Clearly why Rochester is number one if the win-loss wasn't your deciding factor already. Oswego, in the meantime. Hold on a second. My number is just as... Oswego's got a 513 SOS with a 4-2 versus regionally ranked at 18-5. The East is not strong, folks. Um, Brockport. 18-5 as well. 3-2 versus regionally ranked with a 5-13. Almost identical numbers to Oswego. And they are in all capacities, except they have one less game, thus one less win versus regionally ranked opponents. By the way, Oswego has beaten them. So, right at 3-4, I think you're starting to find trouble. St. John Fisher in the meantime. um, 17-5. 1-3 versus regionally ranked opponents and a 5-42. So, Here's what I, and Skidmore sit in six is another important one. Um, three and one versus region ranked opponents with a 512 SOS. The East region is going to get interesting. If you need it at large bids, I think Oswego's probably going to get in if they need it. Here's a deal. It's probably, a, well, I don't want to assume anything in, in the, in the Suniac, but let's just assume it's either Oswego or Brockport who wins the AQ, which leaves the other one at large so they aren't competing against each other, but then then St. John Fisher is sitting there. If they need an at large, and then Skidmore, I think Cortland's out, and I think Hobart's out. So the East gets interesting. I think depending on who's that at large team, I think some of the extra criteria is going to become a major factor. Great Lakes, really no surprises here to me. No real movements. Marietta's one, hopes two, Mount Saint Joseph three, Hanover four, John Carroll five, Worcester six, Denison seven. Denison's up from nine to seven, and that's thanks. To regionally ranked opponents, basically, uh, Dennison is now uh, three and two versus regionally ranked opponents. Their 463 SOS though is a problem, so let's just draw the line now. There's no, I don't think there's any chance Dennison gets in as an at-large. Worcester's an interesting scenario. Worcester's now 16 and seven, three and five versus regionally ranked opponents in a 545. I think Worcester starts to really be your danger line in this region. I think John Carroll's in a good shape thanks to an SOS number of 573, but they're also 2-5 and five versus regionally ranked opponents. You could make an argument. When it gets to John Carroll and Worcester, that's where the bubble is in the Great Lakes. I think Marietta's going to get in. Hope is going to get in. Mount St. Joseph and Hanover are both in the same uh, conference. One of them's probably going to get the AQ, barring an upset of Trans- by Transylvania or somebody else, leaving the other one. And I think those two may get in. The problem is it gets to John Carroll and Worcester, and that's where the bubble is. I think it's going to get really interesting at that point in time. Um, let's quickly look to see, what else, see if we've got any other questions that have come in. Have not seen it as of yet, which is always good. Make sure we haven't gotten questions elsewhere. May have just gotten one here. What are St. John Fisher's chances? So we'll back up to the East real quick. I think St. John Fisher's chances are dangerous. 1-3 um, in three versus regionally-ranked opponents is, is my concern. Now, they have a five, 542 SOS, which isn't bad, uh, and a 17-5 and five record, but we're assuming another loss to take it to 6. I think St. John Fisher's chances are good. The results versus regionally-ranked opponents is concerning, and granted, that number will change. This is based on last week's numbers, so keep that in mind. But yeah, I, I, I just think um, it gets more interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm just not—I'm not sure where to to read into it. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think Saint John Fisher's on the bubble. Let's move on to the Mid-Atlantic region. Christopher Newport's number one, Susquehanna number two now, Salisbury's number three, Swarthmore four, Lycoming five, Catholic six, Scranton seven, Hopkins eight. Hopkins has played themselves out of an at-large opportunity here. Um, let's see here, Atlantic. So Christopher Newport's numbers: twenty-one and two, three and two versus the versus regionally ranked teams, and five thirty SOS. Compare that to a Susquehanna, who is nineteen and three, three and one, and a five fifty-five. So the SOS isn't within that significant range. That I think I can see why Christopher Newport stays on top. Christopher Newport also split with Salisbury, which is actually going to help them. Um, number three is Salisbury, and they have a 19-4, the 536 SOS. Not great SOS numbers in the Mid-Atlantic, sadly enough. Um, Swarthmore, 1-2 versus region ranked opponents in a 534. That's where it starts to become problematic. Lycoming is sitting 5. That's good for the conference, though it's not great because they're 0-1 versus region ranked opponents. And so right away... I'm starting to see the line in the mid-Atlantic region somewhere around four. I think Christopher Newport would get in. I think Susquehanna would get in. Salisbury would get in. Swarthmore is in a position, too, though it's not great. I think Lycoming's in trouble. Just for the record, Catholic 16-7 and seven below the— and By the way, I said Emory last year, uh, Emory last show, about Emory being the, the above five, uh, 667 SOS uh, win-loss with a pretty good SOS. And not getting in. I meant Rochester last year. I misspoke. Catholic is at the same point at sixteen and seven, but they're two and five versus reasoning ranked opponents with a five fifty-six. The men definitely look at results versus reasoning ranked opponents, and I don't think they're impressed with Catholic. Scranton in the meantime is seventeen and six, three and two with a five twenty-six. I, I think the line's at five in the mid-Atlantic right now is my opinion on that. Looking around to see if we're getting any other messages or any questions. If you've got any, you know how to get a hold of us. Scrolling at the bottom of your screen, just to clarify, looking around to see if we've gotten any other questions as of yet. Don't see any, and we'll keep plugging around. Northeast region, Babson's number one. Really, no surprise there, though I was interested to see how Middlebury would react. Babson's 22-1, and 3-1 and one versus region-ranked opponents. Remember, their one loss and in region is to Amherst. 576 SOS. Middlebury, on the other hand, is 20 and 3, 8 and 2 versus regionally ranked opponents. Illinois Wesleyan is one of those, uh, for example. Um, 609 SOS. That SOS has not come down very much. Um, I- I'm going to guess that Middlebury is staying at 2 because Babson's got a much better win loss percentage. You could make arguments with an eight and two versus regionally ranked opponents in a 609 SOS that they could leapfrog Babson. They have a significant difference in SOS number by 0.043 over Babson, which now you swap two games, that probably makes the teams equal. 8-2 versus 3-1 maybe gives Middlebury the advantage. They both have a win over Amherst, for example. I think Babson's getting this because they straight up have a better win-loss percentage. Basically, when you can't change the SOS and the win-loss to make a difference, they basically become a wash. I think they're looking at the win-loss and giving Babson the nod here. Tufts stays at three, Wesleyan four, Amherst five. Here's where it gets interesting. Dartmouth moves to six, and Williams falls down to seven, despite well, thanks to a loss to Tufts. Amherst moves to five, and I think this is where the Northeast gets interesting. I think the Northeast at five six is tenuous. Uh, Amherst has an SOS of a five ninety five, which is helping him. They are six and four versus regionally ranked opponents. UMass um, Dartmouth has a four and two versus regionally ranked opponents and a five fifty nine. Um, yeah, I, I think. Amherst is a nice number, but I think Dartmouth now plays the blocking game, and this is where Williams will not get in, if they need it at-large. Williams has got a 583 with a six and four SOS, but they got a worse win-loss than than Amherst has. Uh, granted, not by much, and I under- you know it, this is definitely where things get crazy. Uh, Chad Grubbs, huge South Region game tomorrow, Concordia versus Hardin-Simmons. You are right; we will talk about that momentarily. But yeah, I the Northeast gets interesting. I told you to watch out for two through six. Now I'll tell you to watch out two through seven. Keene State, in the meantime, three and two versus region ranked to the five seventy one SOS. The problem is, I don't like their win loss percentage. Keene State though has gotten. Is also in that area where we just don't see teams get selected. MIT, same area. They're 0-3 versus regionally ranked opponents. Endicott's got to win to get in. Eastern Connecticut's going to have to win to get in. The question is, can Williams get in, which would give North, uh, the uh, NESCAC five teams in most likely, and barring a Trinity win of six? I don't think so. Uh, I think UMass Bar- Dartmouth is your your, men, your line here of demarcation, and maybe Amherst. I think Amherst has to watch out for another loss. Let's say they lose their next game. They have a 708 SOS or win loss percentage. That that non game against Rhode Island College now may be a factor, only because I think it would help them in some factors. Granted, not regional ranks. Northeast is interesting. Northeast is really interesting, and it's always interesting, but I think it's really interesting this year. I think that 5-6 area and even 7 is really going to be fascinating how that progresses over the next few weeks, to be sure. Um, got a question. How do you, close do you think Anderson is to breaking into the regions? If they sneak in, how would Hanover's resume change since Hanover swept Anderson? Well, let's go back to the Great Lakes and take a look at Anderson. Anderson is 16-6 and six overall, 1-3 versus regionally-ranked opponents with a 495 SOS. Well, Anderson's SOS is going to have to get above 500 in this region. It's possible, but that 1-3 versus regionally-ranked opponents is, is indicative of the two games against Hanover. So take Hanover out, they're 1-1 one one versus regionally-ranked opponents. I don't think Anderson... Anderson might be knocking on the door of getting in the Great Lakes... But I don't think they get in over Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan is seventeen and six, two and four with a five hundred five. And I don't think they get in over Ohio Northern. Ohio Northern is fifteen and eight, two and three with a five forty six. I think Anderson's knocking on the door, but I, and it would have an absolute impact on Han, on on Hanover, because right now Anderson's benefiting for Hanover being in there. Hanover's strength of schedule, which are, are results versus regionally ranked opponents. Would change from a one and two to a three and two, barring nobody falls out of the rankings. So yeah, I think it's I think it's really I think it's really interesting. Um, moving on to the South Region, Guilford stays number one despite an ugly loss to Roanoke. I don't mean to be mean, but I think that tells you a lot about the South Region and its strength, or in this case, lack of strength. Guilford is number 1 with a 19 and 4, 2 and 1 versus regionally ranked opponents with a straight up 500 SOS. Concordia 15 and 5, 1 and 2 with a 537. Harden Simmons 16 and 6, 2 and 1, 554. What I find interesting here is I think Guilford's in position thanks to their win loss the results versus region ranked opponents to me is not that different. Harden, Simmons, and Guilford are equal, though we could dive into those a little bit more. Guilford's SOS is not as good as everybody's. So the fact that Guilford stays number one, I think, is telling. I think their 19 wins is what's helping Guilford here. Emory is sitting four, they move up. Emory has now got an SOS of 546 two and three versus region ranked opponents. I'll tell you right now, Laterno's in trouble. Randolph Macon's got no at large chance. Maryville's clearly got no at large chance, and neither does Emory Henry as it sits now. I think your Mendoza line is three four in the South if it gets that deep. I think I like the numbers out of those guys, but remember we're picking up extra losses. So harden Simmons would pick up an extra large or loss if we're talking about it and go to seven. Concordia-Texas goes to six. That's what we're talking about. Now, what's really interesting is watching the South because if an extra team comes out of the South, let's say Harden-Simmons, well, let's say Concordia wins the uh, conference, and let's say a Texas team in the SCAC wins versus Concordia-Texas. You have two teams in the South now, and, or in Texas, I should say, and you're waiting to see who else gets in? If, let's say, can Colorado College won, or I should say that that's that scenario, well, it puts Harden-Simmons in a conversation of getting in at large. If Harden-Simmons were to get in, then you got three Texas teams. promise you there is a pod with a team flying in like claremont Mud scripps or, or I should say the Skyhack winner, not Claremont-Mudd-Scripps, but the Skyhack winner. That's where it gets interesting. If Colorado College, for example, won the SCAC, um, you're down to two teams in the, uh, Texas, Maybe one. And I think that's where it gets really fascinating in the South. Quickly checking to see if there's any more questions. If you've got any, uh, send them our way. You know how to get a hold of us. We're certainly doing our best to keep track of all the options of going with us. How many pool C's for men and women? Um, Let's see. Uh, Just because I don't have it in front of me. There are 20... Come on. You know what? I better call it up because I don't want to assume that there's a trick with the women. There's one pool B in the women. Um. Doo, 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 doo. All right, calling up, calling up these uh, sheets for you. Just bear with me. I just I want to make sure I get this right uh, because there were a couple changes. Hold on. All right, on the women's side, there are, oh, come on. Here we are, 43 Pool A's, automatic qualifiers, one Pool B, and 20 Pool C's. So on the men's side, it's going to be 43 AQ's, no Pool B's, and 21 Pool C's. I thought I had that number right, but I just wanted to confirm it. So 43 automatic qualifiers with both men and women. Women have a Pool B bid because the old G GSAC uh, dissolved. It has now become a, a Pool B independent. They have enough to get a Pool B bid so the women will have a bid go. Not that the, you know, It's like the GSAC automatic qualifier, essentially, for lack of a better description, uh, though it could go to somebody besides anybody who was in the GSAC, and I haven't looked at those numbers well enough. And then 20 at-large bids, whereas the men will have 21 at-large bids. Um, so back to the men's rankings. The South's going to be fascinating. I, I think it's a little bit of a jumble. I think Guilford is right now ranked number 1 because of 19 wins. West, no real changes here, no surprises, though St. Thomas having a rough week didn't change their scenario. Whitman's pretty solid at number 1, even if they melt down at this point um, because I think they're going to have the advantage over Whitworth no matter what. They swept the regular season, and I think a a late-season win by Whitworth won't change this, especially with a three-loss difference. The problem is they're going to play each other in the second round of the tournament anyway, unless something crazy happens. Um, and again on the women's side Whitman not in position to host anyway but if you're, you're a uh, men's basketball fan at Whitman you're, you're rooting against your women and I hate to say that you really are Thomas St. Thomas stays at 3 Loris is 4, Claremont Monscript stays at 5 which surprises me uh, Nebraska Wesleyan is 6 Laverne 7, Pomona are 8 here's the deal St. Thomas may get in as an at-large right now. May get in as an at-large. Um, hold on. Five thirty-two SOS two and one versus regionally ranked opponents. They don't have a a, a, a resume that jumps out at me. Loris. five forty-eight SOS two and two versus regionally ranked opponents and seventeen and six. That's the bubble. I think that's the bubble. I do not think Claremont-Mudd-Scripps gets in as an at-large. Um, man, but imagine if there were two Act teams that came out. Oh. Talk about adding to confusion and adding to (laughs) imagine. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's say somebody won the AQ and Claremont Mud Scripps got the get an large bid as it stood now. And I don't think they will. But if they did, two California schools, two Northwest schools, at least two Texas schools. Bracket nightmare because. mm, You're going to have to ship people. You have to ship people. We'd avoid a Skyak first round for the first time in forever, but you'd have to ship people. And and it gets really dicey from there. So the regional rankings are out. I'm not nothing on these rankings shocks me. I think there's a couple you could sit here and, and quibble about. Um you know, on the women's side, Illinois Wesleyan three, Chicago four. You can quibble about, though I think I see why Illinois West Seen is three. You know, Wheat and Whitewater, that whole group of four is interesting, and the bubble's gonna burst somewhere in that four. Remember, Whitewater's on the table most of the night last year. In the east, I think the bubbles at number three. Rochester at fifteen and seven could end up blocking everybody below him. I don't think SUNY Polly can get in right now with their criteria. Not if they're sitting behind Rochester. But you could quibble that maybe Polly should be ahead of Rochester because of the significant difference in the win-loss. But there's also a monstrously, monstrously significant difference in the results versus regionally ranked and a monstrously big difference in the SOS favoring Rochester. So that's an interesting decision. In the Great Lakes, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised it's not going as deep as I thought it would be. Um, yeah, whoo. Um, I just saw a tweet. Yeah, Ryan Scott writes regional rankings out, interesting that the ASC is getting punished for playing non D3H games. Everybody gets punished for playing non D3H games. And you know how you get punished for that? You get punished for that because you don't have as many wins or in in the mix to help your win loss. Let, let's just say a team is 19 and 3. Okay. Well, let's take Guilford. They're 19 and 4, right? 19 4 Concordia is 15 and 5. Let's just say I don't have Concordia in front of me. I'm just well, I got it. Yeah, I do. 17 and 6. So let's just go with two wins to make it easier. So Concordia is 15 and 5, which means I well, we don't have it up. Um, 750 SOS. If they had two more wins against division 3 opponents. Their SO their win loss would go up. They'd have two more wins, which looks better, and they'd have um, a, a percentage increase of 0. 0.02, or 20 percent increase, or, right? No, 0. 0.02, two percent increase. Let's say it was three wins, so now it's um uh 18 divided by 23, 782. Yeah, the ASC is getting punished because they're playing non-division three teams. Absolutely, and that look at Whitman on the women's side. Whitman on the women's side is 17 and three. They are 20 and three overall. 20 and three overall on the women's side. I'd argue with you, Whitman would be at least one slot higher. They, They might be in an argument with Wartburg. Put it this way even if they weren't, they'd be safer, they'd have a better chance of getting in. George Fox is 16 and 4, they should be 19 and 4. George Fox absolutely would probably be ahead of Bethel and and you're now in the conversation with Whitman depending on head to heads. Playing non-division 3s kills a schedule because they're not considered until the last resort and even then they can't be appreciated. So if you play a non-division 3 team, you're not on the primary criteria for your win-loss percentage. You're only on your secondary criteria for win-loss percentage. But the committee's not going to look at it and go, oh, they got a better win-loss percentage, put them in. They're going to go, wait, who did they play? Did they play anybody common? Well, of course they didn't. If Whitman's on the table or if, if Concordia, Texas is on the table and they're looking at who they played outside of Division Three, do you think any of the other seven teams on the table have played those same teams? No. So the comparable's gone. The only way that would work is if the committee is looking at Concordia or Whitman and everybody else at the table and they've gone through every single solitary criteria and every data point and everything they want to get through. And for some reason, they are still tied. And instead of using a coin flip, they use the coin flip that is the overall win-loss percentage. And then they go, "Okay, they can come in. What do you think the real chances of that are? Slim. The committee's going to make a decision somewhere else. They're going to find it. So, playing non division threes kills teams. This is why the men have liked this exhibition exemption where they can play a D1 in the middle of the season, not let it count for them, but it counts for the D1. That it is huge to consider how much not playing. Whitman didn't play. Five teams last year. Whitman and women have been in a number of scenarios where they have not, they played five non-Division three teams and have been left out of the tournament. I don't remember last year, but two years ago it certainly happened. They played just three this year. The message may be getting through. And I understand the challenges out there for Texas and Northwest schools. I get it. But we got to change. You got to change your scenario. You've got to do something to fix that problem. Essentially, you're relying on your conference to help you, and in the ASC's chan, uh, situation, that ain't great. There are some ASCs I think that may still be playing their common opponent or their a conference opponent a third time. I, I really, th- I, I'm. I'm not that surprised the win-loss goes down because you have less games to wiggle with. If you understand statistics and math, if you have 25 games that all count, a win-loss difference, or let's say you have 24 and you play your 25th, a win-loss there is going to have a smaller percentage change than if only 20 of those games count. That win-loss is going to have a bigger shift. It also is going to, you know, if you have three wins that don't count, The team ahead of you at 19 wins and you have 16 wins. They're going to have better regional ranking, even if they have one more loss than you do. So, yeah, I am not surprised we're in this situation. The Northwest has dug that hole before. The Skyak has dug that hole before. And I understand. I am not in any way, shape, or form immune to the fact that it is challenging for some of those teams in those areas to schedule. They may not have a ton of funds to fly, and they may not want or be able to get teams to play. I get it. And I am certainly not faulting them. What I am saying is you've got to find some creative ways to avoid this. We see teams like Whitman, who has played all Division Three opponents on the men's side, so here's your example, okay? Whitman on the men's side is 23-0, not only overall, but on their Division Three record, okay? The women are 23-0 overall, but 17-3 in division. The men are figuring this out, or have figured this out, how to play Division Three opponents only. And the women are improved. Remember, it used to be five, maybe six. And it's down to three. But when the argument comes to me, we have trouble scheduling. My argument in reply is your men's team doesn't. Does that make sense? I mean, that is where we're at with a lot of this. And I'll continue it. Same thing is true down in the women's side in the South. Um pick a team trinity texas 22 and 1 overall and in division texas dallas is 23 but 18 and 3 texas lutheran is 19 and 5 both individual but and 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 overall on the men's side concordia texas has three games not being counted harden simmons has one game not being counted letourneau has three games not being counted So we see it on both sides. We see, it, we see one scenario where a men's program's figured it out and a women's program hasn't, or not quite yet. And on the other side, we see it where the women's teams have figured it out and the men's teams have not. I understand the training Texas is a SCAC school. I get it. Texas-Dallas isn't. Granted, they're missing two games. Um... Texas Lutheran hat. You know, again, I get it's a SCAC, but they're Texas schools. Hardin-Simmons, far highest SOS in the South, Chad? Hold on. Let me look. We're looking at SOS numbers in the South region. Hardin-Simmons, by the way, you know what? Did themselves a favor. You know Why? They went to the D3hoops.com classic. And that's not a plug for the tournament. It's not a plug for the tournament. That's a plug for the fact that they went out and found more Division Three opponents. Harden Simmons does have the highest SOS on the men's side. 554. Their problem is they're 16 and six and two and one versus regionally ranked opponents. So their 16 and six record is what's hurting them. Yes, they're a 554 SOS, but at some point that SOS isn't going to trump anything. If you look at the South, so they're sitting behind Concordia, Texas, whose record is one loss better and Bo doesn't have the win better. So the, let's call that a wash. And Concordia, Texas' is SOS, 537 to a 554. So not inside that margin of .03. It's knocking on the door, but the men's committee won't go under the .03. So we can't change the .03. If there was a .03 difference there, Hardin-Simmons would go ahead of Concordia, Texas. Absolutely. Um, ooh, wait a minute. Hold on. Got to make sure one other criteria here. Come on. Oh, sorry. Computer didn't like my click. Uh, Concordia, Texas. Come on. Jeez. Sorry. Computer. There we go. Well, they beat Harden-Simmons. <laughs> so, Chad, the other factor here is Concordia, Texas beat Harden-Simmons. Now, they've got a game coming up, as he alluded to. Big game coming up tomorrow night. Harden Simmons versus Concordia. If Harden Simmons wins that and they split, it gets interesting. I think Harden Simmons moves into number 2. That's how big these games are. That's why this is a big game. Harden Simmons would move into number 2 in the regional rankings and Concordia could potentially, potentially a split season. I think significant. Right now that one win is significant. Um and Concordia and Hardin-Simmons would also go to a 3 and 1 versus regionally ranked opponents versus 2 and 2. Concordia Texas would go to 1 and 3 or 2 and 2. See how big this is? This game Thursday night, Concordia Texas for Hardin-Simmons is going to have a huge regional ranking scenario for just the two teams alone. But again, I will point out, Hardin-Simmons went out to the d3hoops.com classic. They played two division 3 opponents. And have a really good SOS as a result of it. But their win-loss is a little bit low. But Concordia, Texas has three games that they can't count because they didn't go to an event like a D3Hoops.com Classic or some other place where they can get some D3 games in. And I think that's what's significant here. Concordia, Texas needed to go out there and get some more games against D3 opponents. I think that's where this is tricky. Mary Harden-Baylor has known this in the past. That's why they have shown up to major events. And other ASC teams have figured this out. And, 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 and who knows the true reasons for why some teams figure it out and some teams don't. For all we know, Concordia, Texas looked at the re- schedule and said, well, we're not going to be in the running for it. We just want to have a good season. So here's our schedule. And went, oh, wait a minute. Now we got some problems. So that's where this gets really interesting. Chad, thanks for chiming in, by the way. Really appreciate it nice to have this conversation because i think it's important for people to truly understand what's going on um gonna wrap things up here as i've got to get going to a basketball game tonight if you've got any questions for us tweet us at d3 hoops or hashtag hoops email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on facebook live quickly check in to see if there's any other questions hey david you're welcome answered his question about anderson we'll try and keep up the good work next week we'll be on the air as well for the third week of regional rankings I will say now we're checking with the NCA a bit about the regional rankings and results versus regionally ranked opponents. We want to double-check something. We'll hopefully have that answered by Thursday's show. Um, Double-checking, make sure we haven't gotten questions elsewhere that we've just missed. I don't see them, but we'll refresh that page. Again, we'll be on the air Thursday nights, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time, working on finalizing our guest list as we speak. A reminder to SIDs who I know, obviously, Chad, listening in. Justin's Awards nominations due Friday. Friday. I misspoke earlier and said tomorrow because I thought it was Thursday because we're doing usually do hoops on Thursday. It's Wednesday. Final deadline. Justin's nominations Friday. Uh, get them in. So, uh, just a couple of notes. Um, again, I don't see anything glaring out of these regional rankings. To me, I don't see anything that jumps out and goes, whoa, what? what? Nothing really uh, shocking. Um, I think the Atlantic region and both men and women is interesting to watch. I think on the men's side, the question of whether Ramapo is a blocking school is going to come up now. Um, in the central region on the women's side, that Illinois, Washington, Chicago, Wheaton, Whitewater grouping, really interesting to look at. Um, in the east, I think... Rochester's going to get in. Maybe isn't that large. If they don't, nobody else gets in. Granted, a lot can change. Um, yeah, the Mid-Atlantic on the women's side shows its depth and shows that they're splitting hairs, I think, of ranking teams here. I think you're going to get a lot of Mid-Atlantic teams in the, in the tournament this year. Really do. Northeast women, I don't think it goes as deep as people think, but it may. The Northeast is another strong region. South women, Guilford looks like they're in position. I think Lynchburg, I think Maryville being behind Guilford and Lynchburg should be a, a red alert to the Scots and their fans that they got to go out and win the AQ. Um, I don't think Maryville can get in right now with a below 500 SOS, 21-4, and four, sitting fifth in the region because I think Guilford or Lynchburg is going to block them. Yeah, I, I, It's just a gut feeling. And it means Texas Lutheran's not in, Piedmont's not in, obviously Austin and Texas Tyler won't be in. In the West region, you know, Whitman's three missing games would make their arguments stronger. George Fox's three missing games could keep them out, plain and simple. I I don't think it goes that deep, but we'll we'll watch. Uh, On the men's side, again, we mentioned the Ramapo. Will it be a blocker in the Central region? Wisconsin schools are certainly positioning themselves to have three teams in the tournament with Eau Claire, who I think is a dangerous team that was picked up too many losses. Um, the question becomes what happens with the CCIW with Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan? I think that gets really interesting. And I think Benedictine as good as they are is got to go win the AQ. And they probably knew that already. We've probably known that already, but I was interested to see where they'd fit in this. in, this, in but they haven't played any regionally ranked opponents, so they're not getting any benefits there. East region on the men's side, I think Jane, St. John Fisher, Skidmore are in trouble. They're going to have to go do some serious winning here to figure this out. Great Lakes uh, on the men's side. Uh, you get down to John Carroll and Worcester, I start getting a little bit nervous here. I think Dennison down is out, which means Ohio Wesleyan, their rough start to the year, is biting them big time right now. In the Mid-Atlantic on the men's side, I think Lycoming is where we start to get into trouble despite their 18-4 and record. Um, I want to look at their SOS one more time. Uh whoop, hold on. Here we go. Uh Lycomings SOS is a uh, 535 0-1 versus regionally ranked opponents. I think that's where our trouble comes. If they don't win the AQ, where will they get ranked will depend. And I don't think the 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 landmarks in better shape to get two teams in either. What this tells you is that the Centennial is probably a one big league, CAC's a 2 bid league, Mac is one maybe if they're lucky two and the landmark is a one-bid league right now northeast really interesting two through seven nescat could have four teams in i wouldn't be surprised uh i don't think they can get five in question is does dartmouth get in and then can keen pull it off i don't think they can dartmouth williams and keen all with seven losses they would all pick up an eighth to be in this conversation i don't think it happens South, we talked about it. Guilford, Concordia, Harden-Simmons. Harden-Simmons, Concordia game tomorrow night is going to be huge. Um, It's going to be huge, folks. I I can't imagine. Um, And then the West. And I think Whitman, Whitworth are good. St. Thomas, surprised they didn't trip up more, maybe because everybody behind them tripped up. But the Skyak right now looking like a one big league, too. Though, as I said, wouldn't it be interesting if they got two in that changes the brackets dramatically. Uh, I think it's going to have a huge effect on things. Hello, ch- bird. Sorry, he's a friend of mine who's watching us. Certainly appreciate it. I'm um, trying to see if we've got any other questions. Quickly check out before we sign off. And again, we'll be on the air um, regarding um, the regular show on Thursday night. Um, Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time was been when we will hit the air. That's gonna do it, I think. We don't have much else to talk about. I don't have any notes from the um committee chairs because we forgot to email them, trying to follow some other things. Uh, we will f- we'll circle back with them and have you some notes for Thursday show again, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, working to finalize the um working to finalize the guest list as we speak. Uh if you got questions for us, uh for the Hoopsville mail back. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also um, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. There's another way you can join in. Um, so on and so forth. So we hope you'll, we'll hear from you. Uh, we'll primarily cover the East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and Central or West regions, I should say, on Thursday's show. Um, so if you're looking for you know guests from the Northeast, Atlantic, South, or or Central regions, look for Sunday's show. But we'll certainly talk more about the regional rankings as well. And we'll be back on the air next Wednesday after the third regional rankings come out. Don't forget the fourth regional rankings, the one that have always been the final ones, which have always been secret, will be released, but not until we see the brackets. So the last regional rankings we will see before selections are made and before we see the brackets will come next week. And that will be an important show. And next week's rankings certainly have an impact on those final rankings. But we'll be determining... Uh, we got to figure out something else about the regional rankings outside of that, but we'll get back to you. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this show. If you, uh, again, if you got questions, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash Hoopsville. And of course, you can uh, ask questions live there. Um, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Um, we haven't made much headway. We're not even 10% of the way to the goal, and we don't have much time left. So please consider donating to the cause and helping us out. You can find plenty of links on our Hoopsville pages. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back on the air in a little over 24 hours with our normal Sunday show at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks to d3hoops.com, of course, the Women's Basketball Coach Association, National ba- uh, Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, City of Salem for their support. And tomorrow we'll get to announce our first Uh, sponsor or advertiser with the show as well we're looking forward to that hope you enjoyed this one we'll be back next wednesday as well with another special on the regional rankings but tune in thursdays and sundays seven o'clock eastern time good night and thanks for tuning in everybody appreciate you uh, uh taking the time on this wednesday afternoon and we hope we'll see you back here on thursday night if you've got a chance to listen to the podcast or watch this on demand keep supporting us that way as well and tune in live when you get the opportunity have a good afternoon everybody see you on thursday night